0: The series is teaching us that there are six reasons in the Bible why God has us to work. Okay, there are six roles that God wants us to play in our work. We've been looking at these. God made you to work so that you can be a provider, an artist, a missionary, a community servant, an image of God, and a renewer. This is what the series is that we're going through. And, and so and just to look over what we've done before, the provider, number one, sees work as a means to a paycheck. And that's right. It's just not the whole story. Uh, number two, the artist looks at the work itself and cares about doing the work with excellence and integrity. We saw that last week. Well, what the third role is, this role of missionary, this role sees work as being about people. Okay, the missionary realizes, knows, that work is about people. That's what we're going to see today. That God made you to work so that you can be a missionary. Okay, now, when you hear the word missionary, what do you think? Who do you think of? Do you think about Mother Teresa? Do you think about William Carey? Do you think about Hudson Taylor? Right, these famous missionaries, maybe Jim Elliot. Most people think of someone who travels to a foreign country to serve people and to share the gospel. But here at Harbor City Church, we believe that we all have a call to be missionaries. All of us are called to be missionaries. One of the five values of our church is that we are living on mission. And so this is language from our website, living on mission. Jesus is on a mission to renew people and cities. And we join him in mission through what we do, in loving and serving others, and in what we say sharing the gospel, and, te- and testifying to how it changed us. Jesus' hope speaks to our deepest needs, and we look for opportunities to share this hope with others. The gospel renews us with a sense of purpose and a mission to become a blessing to others. This is what it means to live on mission. And so we live on mission in our workplace. We're called to be missionaries at work. So what does this mean exactly, right? What does this mean? Well, here's a quick definition. You can fill this in. This is the first blank there on your outline uh, in the bulletin. A missionary at work cares about the work and the people. Okay, a missionary at work cares about the work and the people. It's not one or the other. It's both and. A missionary remembers that the work is sacred and significant. I mean, I love what Michelle said that she feels the sacred honor. Um, And what's amazing is that she's wrapped that up. It's not just the work, but it's also the people. It's the sacred trust that she has with this group of creatives to put them in an environment where they can flourish, where they can produce things that, um, that are creative, that can help the university with its message to the public and to itself. And so the missionary remembers that work is sacred, and, and significant, but so are the people. Okay, the people that we work with, the people we work for, the people that work for us, our customers, our vendors. Missionaries remember that we have a mission at work to people to show them Jesus, both in word and in deed. Now, for those of you who are here and aren't Christians, um, I think this will actually inspire you to hear this message. Okay, this will inspire you. My hope is that it will will renew your faith in the church maybe just a little bit. Okay, I think for many of you, the idea that Christians are missionaries in the workplace is kind of what might annoy you most about Christians. (laughs) Right, Christians taking company time to talk about religion in the workplace can be very frustrating, can feel like they're wasting time. And I think it's true that Christians can be bad missionaries. Okay, so just hear that. If you're wasting company time, that's not being a good missionary, okay? Um, But there's a profound truth that underlies this idea of being a missionary. It's a profound truth that gives glory and honor and dignity to every single human being. And the truth is the next blank in your bulletin. It's that from creation, God made you to represent him. Okay, from creation, from the beginning, God made you to represent him. Let's read this passage that's there in your bulletin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 to 21. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is God's word. And I want you to underline the first sentence of verse 20. Look at what it says there. It says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal. Through us. What we see in this passage is that God calls us to represent Him. Do you see that in the text? God calls us to represent Him. God calls us to speak and to act on His behalf. This is mind-blowing. But think about this. Like, who would you trust to represent you? Who would you trust and send in your place to speak for you, to act for you? God sends us. Not only is this mind-blowing, but this is actually how God created the world. This is the design of God's world. Um, from the beginning, God made human beings, male and female, in his image. And in the very first work environment, in the Garden of Eden, God hired Adam, right? He hired Adam and put him in the garden to work and to represent him. Adam was to teach his wife, and they together were to teach their children about God and about how to live in covenant with God, how to live in a relationship with him. Genesis 2, verses 16 through 18 outlines Adam's role as a missionary, God speaks to him and tells him, from every tree of the garden you can eat, except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat from that, because in the day that you eat from that tree, you will surely die. And so God gave a message to humanity, and he gave it through Adam. He called Adam to represent him. Adam was a missionary. Adam was an ambassador. He was to represent God by sharing God's truth with Eve, and together they would share it with all of their descendants. And this is true throughout the Bible. God never tells everyone everything. Okay? Instead, God reveals himself to some, and then he calls those to speak on his behalf to others. Right? This is the pattern with prophets, with priests, with kings, uh, with judges. Right? There's so many ways the Bible says this. And so being a missionary... Like you have to understand, this bestows dignity and honor on people. Think about it. The fact that God would call you to represent Him. What does that say about you? What does that say about God's trust in you? God has called us to represent Him, He made you to reflect Him. It's amazing to me because in the midst of, think about the workplace, in the midst of God's work, all that God does to govern the world, all that God does to hear and answer prayer, right? all that God does in all of his work, he always remembers to care for his people. So this is God working, right? In the midst of his governing, in the midst of his listening, in the midst of his, uh, you know, God engages with us. He knows you personally. He knows you intimately. He cares for your deepest needs. And so as his ambassadors, as people who are called to represent him, we are to engage in our work in a way that also cares for people. So we represent God not just in the work that we do, but we represent God in the fact that we do our work and we care for others as God cares for people And so this is a connection uh, between being a missionary and being an artist. Remember last week um, that God made us to work so that we would be artists, that we would do our work with excellence and integrity? Well, it's key, right? If you want to be a good missionary, if you want to be a respected missionary, if you want to be an ambassador that people actually want to listen to, it pays to be a good artist. Right? If your work is not characterized by excellence or integrity, Who's going to listen to you? Who's going to want to hear anything that you have to say? A huge part of the gospel that we preach is the life that we live at work. Okay, 1 Peter 2.12 reminds us of this. It says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. The Gentiles, these are people who don't know God in this context. Keep your conduct among these non-Christians honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. And so other people at work may not like your faith, but you have a significant amount of power in whether or not they like your work. Okay, And the more that they like your work, the more open they will be to hearing about your faith. And so God calls us from creation, he calls us to represent him. This is his design from the beginning. But we don't always live this way, right? I mean, I think as ambassadors, we're supposed to represent God, but if we're honest, we're not always good at this, are we? The reason for this is because layered on top of God's creative intent, right? There's another layer to the reality that we live in. And so layered on top of God's beautifully glorious creation is humanity's fall into sin. Okay, and that's the second thing that we're going to see today. The fall. God made you to represent him, but in the fall, we often represent ourselves and not God. We often represent ourselves and not God Jesus said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Right? So we, you, you might have heard that. You might have thought about that before. Like, why would we pursue work and, and pursue money and pursue uh, prestige and notoriety and forfeit our own soul, not have a relationship with God, not make sure that our eternity is being thought of and cared for? I think we could use this same verse In a different way, what will it profit you if you gain the whole world that your career is aiming for and yet sacrifice or forfeit the people that you work with? What will you gain? Think about it. What will you gain if all of your career dreams come true and every person that you've ever worked with thinks you are awful? What will you gain? I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. I really don't. Um, But I'm reading the Steve Jobs biography right now. Talk about a guy who gained everything he could possibly imagine through his work. Literally changed the world, made several dents in the universe, as he likes to describe it. And yet the biography recounts dozens and dozens and dozens of people who say that, I mean, in the best possible way, Steve was not a very good guy and speak about who he was as a person. And and it's crazy because he was so gifted and such an incredible genius and was able to pull things out of people that could never be done on their own. And yet he left behind him in his wake, like, like littered, his, the pathway was littered with bodies of souls of people um, who had been broken and destroyed. We're called to represent God. We're made to represent God in how we work and in how we treat other people. And the problem is that instead of representing God, so often we represent ourselves. James 4 kind of lays open my own heart. It probably does for you too. Listen to this. It says James says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Isn't it this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you don't have, so you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your pleasures. Friends, this is the core and the heart of so much that goes wrong in the workplace relationally. Is that when push comes to shove, we are in it to represent ourselves and no one else. And I think, I mean, this is, this is ugly in and of itself. People that are selfish, people that are self-centered, people that aren't thinking of others. But when you put this layer of the fall against the backdrop of God's creative design to be his ambassadors, right? When we realize what God's made us to be and that's to represent him and what we do and how we act and how we treat other people, then our selfishness, then our self-representation becomes very ugly, very ugly, because of what could have been. And Everyone has experienced the pain of broken relationships at work. In our survey that we did of folks in our church on the biggest frustrations that they have, like countless, countless times, it's about people. It's about people. For many, it's relationships at work that are the reason why they mistakenly think that work is the curse. And so we're either hurt personally or we're gnawingly frustrated by the people that we work for and or by the people that we work with or who work with us. And I need you to know, I want you to hear this clearly. It's, it's not just pain that we experience. Okay, it's not just pain, but it's, it's sometimes evil. And you need to know that some of the pain that you're dealing with is truly evil. Okay? You need to have permission to think about it that way because that's what God sees. So often, the reason that work relationships can be trying is because we are often sinned against by others. There are times when it's not a misunderstanding. There are times when it wasn't miscommunicated. There are times when it's not that they didn't really mean the way you took it. People don't just hurt us, but they wrong us by their actions to stab us in the back, by their words that spread lies and gossip about us. And sometimes it's big. Sometimes we feel like we've just been thrown under the bus like we're being used as an excuse for someone else to justify why there's nothing wrong with them. Other times, we suffer from what one author calls death by paper cuts. These little, tiny, gnawing slights and annoyances that feel too small to bring up because you're going to look like you're nitpicking or you're going to look like you just can't handle things. But over time, they really take their toll. And so we are, we experience evil personally from other people. And then beyond the personal pain, we're also hurt professionally by people. People let us down. We're affected by their lack of performance. People who are over us affect us negatively. People who are above us are barriers to our progress. This is because of the fall. This is because humanity has fallen. We have brought sin into the world and it has ruined us. And when we begin to acknowledge the fall at work in other people, the Bible reminds us then that we too, ourselves, are fallen. The painful things that others do are also sometimes done by us. It's not just other people that represent themselves, but we find ourselves also cutting corners, stabbing others, gossiping about others in order for us to either protect ourselves or to get ahead. And whether our responses are aggressive or they're passive aggressive, we've been hurt and so we want to hurt too. Revenge feels good for a moment. But revenge then further destroys a relationship. It further destroys the work environment. And it begins to destroy us from the, from the inside out. This is how it works. I mean, again, we think we're getting away with things in the workplace. We think that talking behind somebody's back, they never find out, so it's okay. We think we're getting away with it, but the reality is that we don't. Every time you represent yourself, Every time you hurt someone else, you might get away with it from an outside corporate perspective, but inside, inside you become someone different. Your actions, the things that you say, the things that you do, they change who you are on the inside. And we either become increasingly selfish as people we either become increasingly where we just represent ourselves, not just at work, but then in every place. Like that it changes who we are. That either happens or we deceive ourselves into thinking that we can bifurcate our personality. And we act one way at work and another way outside of work. And we think that we're okay with, I mean, we think that's okay. And so where do we go with this? Where do we go with the fall? Um, If the fall were the end of the story, we'd be left with survival of the fittest. We'd be left with dog eat dog. Um, The good news is that the gospel story doesn't end there and our story doesn't end there either. Okay, let's move on. Let's go to the next point. The next point is redemption. In creation, God made you to represent him. In the fall, we represent ourselves and not God. Here's the glory of redemption. Redemption is that Jesus came to represent you. When God shows up in the world, when God shows up in the world, he doesn't come and scold us. He doesn't come and say, are you kidding me? What the heck is wrong with you? When Jesus Christ shows up, God in the flesh, what we see on the pages of Scripture is that Jesus came, not even to represent God, but Jesus came to represent you. Jesus came to represent you. I was reading the Bible this week with Amanda, my daughter, and we were reading John chapter 19, and we read this part, John 19, verses 16 through 27. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just portions of it. Jesus went out bearing his own cross, and they crucified him. And so there he is on the cross, right? He's been, nails have been driven through his hands and his feet. He has been already flogged. He has been mocked. He is suffering the wrath of God. He has been outcast and forsaken. Standing by the cross of Jesus where his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene, When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. So as I'm reading this with Amanda, she's like, what? What are they talking about? I was like, well, this is Jesus. While he's suffering, making sure that someone will take care of his mom. And so the the disciple Jesus loved is John the Apostle, who wrote the Gospel of John. And we see this because it says right after, from that hour, the disciple took her into his home. So I said, Amanda, this is what I always ask her I said, How do we see you? What do we see about Jesus in this passage? And she said, well, we see Jesus taking care of his mom. We see that Jesus is caring for other people. And I'm like, and where is Jesus doing this from? She said, well, he's on the cross. And it kind of hit her. Oh, my goodness. Like, Jesus, in the midst of his suffering, in the midst of the worst day he ever had in his life, he's still serving others. Like, yeah, that's it. And then I asked her the question Well, so we've seen Jesus. Now, Amanda, how do we display Jesus? And she said, Well, I guess we need to care about others too. And then it just hit me wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. We we, we missed something here. (laughs) We missed something here because, yes, Jesus is on the cross, suffering the wrath of God, bearing on himself the weight of the sin of the world, and he's caring for his mom. That's amazing. But what Jesus is doing is he is on the cross, suffering for you. I said, Amanda, do you realize that while Jesus is taking care of his mom, He's also dying for you. And it just hit her. It came over her. I mean it came over me. We were like, oh my God. That Jesus would come and in his work not forget about people. And that he came not just to show us what God is like, but he came to represent us. He came to represent us, that in his life, it wasn't just that he could live this perfect life and earn the blessings of heaven, but he came for you, he came for me. And on the cross, this expression to his mom is this tiny picture. He provides for her financial and security needs for the rest of her life. But friends, he couldn't do it himself because he was busy dying for us. He was busy taking care of our eternal needs. He was busy making us his brothers and sisters. This is redemption. This is the God whose plans for the world were so vandalized by us, whose plans for us have been so thwarted because of our sin and the sin around us. He comes to represent us before before God the Father so that you would be forgiven, so that you would be set free and this is redemption. And I can tell you that when you experience this, nothing will be the same. Michelle said the gospel changes everything in her work life. This is what she's talking about. When you realize that you have been loved by God in such a personal way, that every single sin that you commit, and we can just talk about the work sins that you commit, That Jesus, when he was on the cross taking care of his mom, he was taking care of you. He was dying for those sins. And Jesus is in the middle of the workplace. He is there suffering. He is there bearing the weight of the sin that comes from you and that is done to you. The cross of Jesus means that he brings to us a, a love and a power that ends the cycle of revenge. On the cross, even while he is suffering, even while he's bearing the weight of our sin, he is actively loving his mother and the world. This is a power. This is an understanding. This is a love that says the pain of your sin stops here. Friends, the pain of your sin stops at the cross. When you experience this, everything changes. Everything changes. When you receive a love that is big enough to take all of your sins that you've committed against God and you compare that, you begin to compare that to the sins that are committed against you in the workplace. Now this could be really significant, okay? This could be incredible anguish, pain, suffering, betrayal, I get it. But compared Compared to the record that you have against God's perfect standard, this pales in comparison. I don't tell you that to make you feel guilty. I want you to be clear on this. I don't tell you that to make you feel guilty or ashamed that you're upset about this, because you should be. You should be upset about the sin that exists in the workplace, both yours and others. But I tell you this because Jesus has unleashed a love that is this powerful. And when you believe in him, when you trust in him, he gives you a love. He gives you that same love so that you enter into the workplace with this. And this redemption produces our next point. It produces renewal. It produces renewal. What it looks like when you experience Jesus' redemptive love When you experience and receive the love of Jesus on the cross, it causes you to be renewed. It causes you to be renewed, and that renewal drives you toward reconciliation with God and others. This is exactly what Paul says in this whole language in 2 Corinthians about being ambassadors. This ambassador for Christ, God asking us to represent him, like it continues. God made us to represent him. We completely screw that up in radical ways by representing ourselves instead of God's selfless love, right? We represent our own selfishness. Yet Jesus comes to save us by representing us so that we can be renewed and we get back to that place where we can represent God again. And what's the miracle, what is amazing about the way and the wisdom of God is that God has designed it so that his ambassadors, all of his ambassadors, would go knowing, like would enter into the workplace knowing first and foremost that they have been forgiven. That's where renewal starts. If you need to bring renewal into the workplace... If you need to be a renewed person in the workplace, it begins with reconciliation with God. It begins by rehearsing, whether it's in the morning, before you, when you wake up, whether it's while you're shaving, brushing your teeth, while you're driving in the car. I don't care when you do it, but you have to do it. As you go into the workplace, before you get there, you need to remind yourself, I have been forgiven. God has forgiven me this much. It might be better to say, they've sinned against you this much, but Jesus has forgiven you this much. You go to work knowing that you've been forgiven because it's forgiven people who best represent God as ambassadors. In fact, I would say if you haven't been forgiven, you can't represent God accurately because you're going to be proud. You can't, unless you know that God has forgiven you, unless you are acquainted with your own fallenness, man, all of your efforts to try to represent God are going to come across holier than everyone else, are going to come across self-righteous, are going to come across arrogant, because you got something and nobody else has it. But look what Paul says in verse 19. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against against them, and entrusting to us the, the message of reconciliation. Verse 18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so we need to receive that reconciliation so that we can accurately represent Christ. Because when Jesus is in the workplace, it's the crucified and risen Jesus. Jesus. He's crucified for the sins that you've committed. He's forgiven you of those, and he sends you in to represent him. He sends you in to represent him. How do we represent Jesus? Well, you can't represent him just by telling people what to do. Jesus comes with the message of that forgiveness is possible. And it's not just words, but it's actions. Jesus didn't just say, I forgive you, but he actually absorbed the punishment and the pain of our sins. What does it look like for you in the workplace? To absorb the pain that someone else inflicts on you and forgive them. To not make them pay for what they've done, but to forgive them in words and in deeds you would get to represent Jesus. What does it look like? Well, it looks like going to work with a heart for people, right? Back to the beginning, a missionary at work cares about the work and the people. And so pay attention to the people around you, right? Care about them. If they are hurting, let that affect you. Engage them in relationship. Let them know that you care enough to actually talk, to follow up, maybe even to spend time. Serve them. Serve people at work. And then just be honest about your faith. Be honest. You can let people know, you know what, I understand where you're coming from. If you've been hurt, you can let people know, you know what, I've done something like what you've done to me. And I can tell you that I forgive you because God and Jesus has forgiven me. You can be honest about your faith. I mean, a simple way to think about how to be a renewed person, is, it's caring and sharing. Caring about people and sharing with them. And share the gospel, share how it's changed your life. This reality that we are called to be missionaries, that we are called to represent God, it, it, it drives home this reality that we represent Jesus to others at work. For many people, listen to this, for many people, you are the closest to Jesus that they will ever get. For many people, you are the closest to Jesus that they will ever get. Jesus is excited about that reality for you. Jesus is excited to renew you, to bring healing and renewed forgiveness to you, so that you would then go and show and share with others what He is like. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you that in the midst of creation and fall is this layer of redemption. Thank you, Jesus, for coming and expressing and showing the heart of God to care for us and to love us even unto death. Jesus, would you forgive us Would you forgive us for being awful ambassadors of you? Please forgive us for the ways that we contribute to the fallenness and the sinfulness of our workplace. And I pray, Jesus, that your love would overflow in our hearts. It would overwhelm us. Help us to realize that when you were on the cross, you were there for us, for me. Let your love renew us so that tomorrow we'd be different. Help us tomorrow to care and to share so that you would be glorified, so that we might, in whatever way that we have a, a ability, we would renew your, for your glory our workplace. And Jesus, I pray too for those who are here who aren't Christians. Would you help them to get just awestruck at the idea that you as God would call people to represent you? What an amazing privilege. What an amazing calling. In some ways we cower from it because we fail so much. But by your power, by your love, we can grow. And I pray that those who aren't yet committed to you, they would commit to you and they would receive this love so that they too might share and spread your presence and your world. We pray all of this so that you would receive the glory, so that our workplaces would be renewed, so that San Diego would be different. We pray all of this in your name. Amen.